a term I came up with a long time ago, and it makes me me laugh every time I say it. I think I, I was trying to say popsicle, and I said it wrong. I, I said poopsicle. <laughs> it just makes me laugh every time. Far less appealing. Yeah, way less appealing. My parents, Cocker Spaniel, uh, during one particularly cold winter day, had a poopsicle, and it involved some uh, rubber gloves and removal. Ew. Some, like paint thinner. You had to, like, crack uh, it off. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. There may or may not have been a chisel. You are listening to the Give Me Five podcast, episode number 79. This is the Give Me Five podcast, a semi-entertaining show about very entertaining things. My name is Jimmy, and I am joined as always by Greg. Hello. Uh, my life is about to get a little more interesting because my child was accepted in – my six-year-old child was accepted into weapons training in karate class. Uh, and I also have an accident-prone dog. Do the math. And Rob. Yeah. Nunchucks and a papillon. And my life is about to get more interesting because Greg's six-year-old son was accepted into weapons training. <laughs> it's true. He does like to battle you. And Jimmy, well, actually. Well, oh, yeah. and then I, and then I also get those those middle of the night texts or the late night texts. So, um, should I be worried about this? <laughs> Here's a picture, Rob. Tell me what you think. Yeah, seriously. Now he he came home today, and I have this on recording. So stay tuned to the end of the episode. And I asked him, I was like, "Hey, buddy, how was how was your first day of nunchucks training?" And he said, "Well, I have to work on not hitting myself in the head with them." Uh, <laughs> okay, he's like, "Yeah, that hurts." Yeah, it does. Jeez, they're they're foam at this point. At this Thank point. God. Otherwise, your kid would have concussions. <laughs> Just forget everything that he ever learned in school. Here on the Give Me Five podcast, we discuss pop culture, entertainment, and a little bit of nostalgia. Speaking of nostalgia, I wanted to give an extra special shout out to our friends in ACP Pro and Max Overdrive 1986. Uh, this last Friday, I went to a concert. I uh, saw Shredder 1984 on his uh, headlining tour across America. He is a French dark synth artist. Awesome, awesome show. Definitely check it out. But ACP Pro, Max Overdrive 1986, they are local synthwave artists and just all around awesome dudes. Had a great time talking to uh, Max Overdrive. Thank you so much for the shirt. I've probably worn it mm, every day since. Uh, every day but one sense because i absolutely love it um check them out guys acp pro you can find them and max overdrive 1986 on spotify itunes etc do be uh listening to the show because i think we might be premiering some music from both of them soon and make sure you search for max overdrive because it because you could end up with a terrible emilio Estevez movie i wouldn't say that was <laughs> terrible I like that. We're going to cover an episode 80. No, we're not going to cover any Emilio Estevez movies. What? Okay, we might. Just okay, let, work. Let's anyway, yeah, Men at okay. Work was great. So this week we have got Kung Fu Hustle, the <laughs> Walking Dead Season 9 review. And Rob and myself are going to discuss Us While Greg Hides. 
Also, at the end of the show, this week's host, that is me, will have the opportunity to rant about something on their mind, and I have got a total granddad thing to rant about this week. So stick Get around. off my lawn! Yeah, I was going to say, much. apparently the kids were on his lawn, uh, the Sizzler raised their prices to three ninety nine for a steak dinner, maybe? I don't know, we'll, f- we'll figure that out. Uh, pecan see. Sandies were pecan. On, not on sale at... Uh, pecan! Son of a pecan. Clamato. <laughs> Clamato. <laughs> Guys, this is a review show. There's going to be spoilers. So many spoilers, in fact, that when they talk about us, I'm leaving. Which means they could technically talk about everything else since I do the editing. And I would never know. Well, we talk about us for the whole episode. How are you going to... The The movie... Us. Oh. So anyway, if there is anything we have mentioned before that you have not read, seen, or listened to yet, by all means, use your own discretion and don't send us any angry emails. We will be spoiling us. There's no way to talk about it without doing it. Yeah. So here's your your warning. Yep. We'll we'll try, but it's no no we're we're gonna spoil it. All right. So, uh, guys, uh, news. What, what what we got in the world of entertainment? Anything? Um, well, I there was something I sent you guys yesterday. I was absolutely shocked. Um, apparently, the AAF didn't even make it one full season. No, they sure didn't. They shut down operations and basically are not continuing with the season. And and that I, well, means that your Orlando Apollos have been named the AAF champions. Were they really? They no, were. no, they were just they were. named the the the. I thought they just won the East because they hadn't gotten to the they hadn't gotten to the the championship. No, it was an, it was announced that as the team with a seven and one record, they they're the champions. There's a oh, uh, just like yay, I guess. Yeah, yeah there there was a an actual graphic revealed on the AAF website. So, mm. and I might translate that into a snap decision a little bit later. Ooh, all right, okay. Well, I've got a little bit of news, guys. We finally got what we do in the shadows, the TV series, mm-hmm. uh, executive <laughs> produced by Jermaine Clement, Taika Waititi, adapted for television by Jermaine Clement. Greg, did you finally see it? I watched episode one, and <laughs> there were some parts that made me laugh. Oh, creepy paper! <laughs> that, so I've, go ahead. I, I loved the old school carvings when they were like. When they were talking about the um, the elder vampire coming to visit them, and they were showing like the old school like lith- lithographs, and they were like horribly dirty sex acts. I'm not sure if you caught that. Yeah, the one was like he was pooping like, uh, yeah, he on was, like, the other one's head. In the guy's mouth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so funny! You guys definitely have to check it out. We talked about the movie extensively. Well, many times. I wouldn't say extensively, but. What we do in the shadows, it's on FX. Find some damn way to watch it because it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing we got. Uh, so this it kind of leads into uh, maybe I should save this for a snap decision. You know what? No, I'm just going to ask it now because it doesn't have to be long. And I'll, I'll let Rob have our, our snap decision. But we've got the Joker trailer. So that is the Joker starring Joaquin Phoenix. What, ha- what do you guys think? Uh, it's definitely much darker, but I'm okay with that. Yeah, uh, definitely darker. Sh- shades of a comic, a Joker comic that came out not too long ago, a graphic novel called uh, by the artist Lee Bermejo, and where everything was very sickly green and nauseating looking, and uh, I don't know, like very disconcerting, like the way mm-hmm. it's filmed. And th- the comic was like that, and this, of course, was like that too. And 
I went from being not at all intrigued to very intrigued. I'm very yeah. intrigued. I'll well, I mean, from the trailer, from the trailer that I saw, um, I I haven't seen anything in the trailer that really caught my attention and has had, has made me go, "Ooh, I have to see this movie." Isn't one of your favorite habits beating up clowns? No, 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 no. that's Jimmy. Oh, beating up okay. Jimmy? Yeah, it's not me cool. <laughs> or the other one. No, Jimmy likes to beat up clowns. Okay. Oh, okay. Got it. So um, I, I'm not going to rush out and see it first day. Yeah. You know, based on this first trailer, but I'm, I'm definitely intrigued. And I, I do have a question for you guys. Okay. Uh, I have a few, before the questions asked, sure. there's a few little references in that trailer that the reason I will say why I'm intrigued. Go for uh, it. First of all, oddly enough, directed by Todd Phillips and he did the hangover, which nice. I love. Yes. And it, com- comedy directors tend to do a really good job with dark subjects because most of them are messed up anyway. And there's a lot of Scorsese references. And if the whole idea of having a Joaquin Phoenix in there wasn't good enough because, you know, Academy Award winner, good, plays evil very well, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, it also has De Niro in it. Mm-hmm. And yep. De Niro, the it was part of a movie called The King of Comedy which was kind of a bomb in 1981 with Scorsese. And it was about a guy that was a a failing comedian who takes a talk show host hostage and basically holds him hostage until he gets his one shot on the air. And this movie kind of shows something that's sort of similar to that, where De Niro happens to be a talk show host. They kind of show a behind-the-curtain shot. So I'm wondering if there's going to be some sort of thing like that. And... So when you bring in De Niro and Scorsese, that's the thing that really kind of piqued my interest. So anyway, I'm sorry. Jimmy, your question. Yeah, so now that uh, it looks like Batman's going to have a formidable foe again, uh, is it time to to say, hey, Ben Affleck, you're not working out, man. Let's go in a different direction. Do you think we should reboot Batman again? Is the world ready for it? Because I don't even consider the Ben Affleck adaptations like a, a reboot. Well, but see, the I honest, honestly, I don't feel that Ben Affleck has done a horrible job as Batman. <clears throat> I think I mean, he's out anyway. He he officially stepped down. Right. But I actually liked his take on it. And and I don't think he's done a horrible job as Batman. I think a lot of the problems that I've had with with Batman are more problems with the actual movie, um, like Justice League. All right. And so let me put it a different way. Do you uh-huh. think it's time for Batman to get his own movie again? I I want the Joker to live on its own from whatever DC is doing. Okay. Just like Venom is living on its own from whatever Spider-Man is doing. And I think that everything doesn't need to be a shared universe. But that being mm-hmm. said, if that leads to two different Batman, I think we proved with Spider-Man and Spider-Man, the multiverse one or Spider-Verse one and Venom, that it is kind of possible. Well, I... I would, different times. I would almost like to see a a Batman franchise that runs kind of like a James Bond. So that we don't have to keep getting the same origin story from Batman every freaking time we reboot. Mm-hmm. If if you just establish that the story is already in place, or you could even do your own individual stories for each movie. I mean, Batman's got a ton of storylines. You could just do your own individual movies. Just have a different person play Batman. Yeah. I mean, you don't need to 
when you reboot the movies, you don't need to start over from square one and tell the origin story all over again. We don't need to see that every time we reboot Batman. And you could almost yeah. do it just like James Bond. Yeah, there's Batman stories since, what, 1930? And they've yeah. constantly changed the tone. So I don't think it's well, a problem at all. Maybe it's, so. maybe it's time for a Killing Joke or a Court of Owls. Yeah, oh, that'd be great. So, you know, I, I think it's time. I think Batman. Uh, I love the Dark Knight trilogy. And uh, I'd, I'd love to see another one, honestly. So Cool. Uh, one last little bit of news. The Avengers Endgame tickets are now, now on sale. Oh, God. It is... Uh, April 3rd, and apparently uh, they went on sale on uh, the 1st, April 1st, right? And there was um, a ton of, uh, like, backlog on all the websites, according to some of our students. And uh, as can be expected, it did break pretty much all pre-sale, ticket sale uh, records. I didn't even write down all of the ones it broke because it it wasn't worth doing. It also broke numerous movie theater websites. (laughs) Yeah, like uh, Fandango went down, a bunch of them went down. I think AMC went down also. I don't I think if you've not gotten tickets to see it yet, you're you're probably not seeing it on the midnight showing. Well guys, I think we're gonna move on to snap decisions, and I think I might be the only one who has one for tonight. Do you think the AAF folding is a concern or a benefit for the XFL, which is due to come out next year? All right, I'm going to go ahead and... If this one already bombed spectacularly so bad that they didn't even finish the season, how do you think that's going to parlay? Go ahead. All right, so here's the deal with that. In my opinion, I believe the AAF launched uh, without enough fanfare, without um, enough promotion. I mean, it came out and I was like, what? There's another football league? I I, I think a lot of people felt the same way. Um, Johnny Manziel has been the odd source of uh, reason on social media here. Um, he stated that, look, it's simply he encouraged other players not to sue because it's simply, you know, at the end of the day, they just didn't have enough money. It didn't make enough money to stay afloat. So he was like, basically, you can go sue as much as you want, but you'll never see that money. You know, the last paycheck you got from the AAF was the last one you're ever going to see. Um, I think it's kind of a good thing for the XFL because Vince McMahon has like unlimited funds and going in there, he's going to be able to pay the players. I believe, um, I think the XFL is going to be marketed a lot differently than the AAF was slash was Vince McMahon has marketing chops. Mm -hmm. So, um, I, I think it's a... Uh, ultimately, I think it's a good thing for the XFL that they won't have off-season competition um, outside of the NFL. So uh, we'll see. I still don't. I mean, NFL's top dog, and if you believe what Bill Polian said, um, the NFL kind of squeezed them out in a way uh, by not allowing first-year players to participate. Um, that's just one of the allegations being tossed around, but ultimately, yeah. I think it's a good thing for the XFL. Uh, just in reference to that, I don't know how that would, in a way, be squeezing out because the NFL did allow. Well, the, 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 well, I'm just talking. I'm not referring to you. I'm talking referring to Bill Polian. I mean, you could watch the AAF games on the NFL Network. Oh. So it's not like the NFL hated them, but on my end, I do think it's actually in a way. I was I was kind of weighing this back and forth as you guys were talking that the was a good idea or a bad idea for the XFL. The XFL will be marketed better 
and they're going to be smart enough to grab some of the players that did well in the AF, including maybe even the coaches. Uh, Steve Spurrier showed he could still coach. There were certain players that showed they could still play. So I think in some ways it'll be good, plus not having competition will be good. Um, but yeah, it was weird because like the, I didn't, I live what five miles from the stadium where the Orlando Apollos play, maybe. If you go, if you like, don't follow roads, it's about three miles. Mm-hmm. And we saw nothing about it except for the occasional kid wearing a shirt. Yeah. It, no signs in Publix, mm-mm. no signs in restaurants, no, you know, come here and get three tickets. You know, the most I heard was on the radio. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I know they're probably depending on TV for more of their money, but you have to have some sort of fan base in the local area. And I think they did to some extent, but they, um, I, Given time, it would have gotten. I I feel just maybe to a level a, a level a little bit less than Orlando City Soccer. Sorry, I'm cutting into your time, but that's fine. Um, didn't have enough time. Just wasn't meant to be. And I think that uh, you know, if the XFL is smart, they're gonna pick those bones and figure out what is working and what didn't work, and you know, give people a product that they might be moderately interested in. Fair enough. What do you say, Rob? I think that the AAF folding before the season is even over is nothing but good for the XFL. I think that Vince McMahon is smart enough to see what happened with the AAF and not repeat the same mistakes. Well, I and to see what happened with his failed football league. Exactly, exactly. And not having to compete with the AAF for the players, Vince McMahon might also consider going in since the AAF has folded and there's no there's no like or there's no guarantee that it's actually coming back he may even seek some kind of partnership with the NFL like the like the AAF has done at least until he can get the the production on its feet so to speak he could learn things like like with the AAF they were having all kinds of issues where like the players from the Orlando Apollos didn't actually play in Florida they had to go up to Georgia to practice because of like insurance issues and I think, and I think that he can look at stuff like that and figure out ways around that, you know, because it seemed like they just didn't know about that until they started signing people and started trying to play. And it was like, oh, whoops, we. Can, it, it almost seemed like it wasn't really planned out all that well. Like they kind of rushed it to market. But I, I think that it's nothing but good for the XFL because now he doesn't have the uh, competing minor league. Basically, agreed. Uh, I'm going to make a bold prediction here. The uh, co MVPs of the first XFL season are going to be Mojo Raleigh and Rob Gronkowski. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know that Gronk will play. He has no, yeah. There's no way they can pay him possibly nearly enough. It's a wrestling joke. You don't. I know. I, I know. It's a wrestling joke. I know. But I, I, would, I think that you're going to see uh, Rob Gronkowski in a in, in a WWE ring before you see him on a football field again, unless he's getting some sort of award. But you might see him on the football field helping to promote the XFL. Yeah, very true. <laughs> the commissioner of the XFL. <laughs> <laughs> there oh, you go. God. Brilliant. And I think that's going to wrap up our snap decisions. So I'm going to talk about the end of a season and we don't, TV is kind of hard to cover on the podcast because we don't know if to cover each episode or a whole season or half a season or like the finale. Yeah, I've sort of settled on the finales just to kind of review the season in full unless something like crazy happens or if a show has been spectacular as in the case of the Orville recently Mm -hmm. uh, where we've had to cover it a couple times. But 
The Walking Dead finished up season nine. Uh, it was the lowest rated finale in the show's history with 5.02 million viewers, um, hmm. which is interesting, but that doesn't actually tell the whole story because it, it tells more of the story of how people are watching it because it is actually still the, by far, the most watched show on cable. Okay. So right. even with that fall. Um, and the ratings went up on the live plus three ratings, what, which what that mean? Uh, uh, more people that, that are watching it time shifted. So not watching it the night that it runs, oh, but okay. watching it, watching like it within replay three or days on demand or something, watching it within three days. So that could be on DVR. It could be replay. It could be demand. It could be on online. So it actually had the largest growth on that percentage. Um, the other weird little thing was that the previous episode, so I, I don't know the exact numbers, but the second to last episode, uh, which was called, uh, I have it written down here somewhere, uh, the calm before the, and that, or the calm before, and then I think the last episode was called the storm. So it was a two parter kind of, uh, actually had some crazy stuff happen, which I mentioned the, uh, our previous episode. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, it actually had pretty low, uh, very low viewership. And this one actually, uh, went up by quite a bit. So. People did figure out what happened on that previous episode to, and wanted to get to check in. Uh, this is the season that saw Rick leave. It saw uh, Maggie leave and a bunch of other people. Uh, ten ca- characters, uh, some not necessarily fan favorites, but characters that have been around for a while. Uh, this is, by the way, spoiler time. Uh, so Rob. got, <laughs> yeah. got uh, cut up or basically got their heads cut off and put on posts. So we lost uh, Enid. The, the young girl that was running around for a while. Oh, uh, really? We lost, we lost Henry, who was the, the boy that uh, Carol was raising. We lost a few characters that were just kingdom regulars. Uh, no one, I, uh, there was an older couple that we, that was in the kingdom that was raising a baby that I think we lost them. And they basically, their heads were put on post. Now, if you guys read the comics, you know exactly what that was and who did it. And it, this season also introduced the whispers. And personally, I enjoyed the season more than I was trying to figure out how to phrase this, but more than most of the seasons. It's not that I didn't like the other ones. I just thought that the whispers actually were pretty like I was at first when I like that's kind of around the time I stopped reading the comics. And Jimmy, mm-hmm. you read the whisperer issues, right? I did. So like at first I was like I had heard about them. I had heard whispers about them. Yeah, uh, I see what you did there. But I didn't really know much about them. And then I got a few issues here and there. I think I got the issues that introduced them. And they kind of have an interesting story because, like, the the Whisperers are led by a woman named Alpha, and they basically walk with the zombies, and they wear zombie skins over their face. And they're called Whisperers because they whisper to each other. And the the woman that leads them is kind of this animalistic, like, you have to be strong to survive, and if you're not strong enough, you should just die, which is actually how the baby ended up with that couple because Alpha left the baby to die, and the couple ran and saved it. Um and then she had a daughter named Lydia who kind of went and hung out with the, the quote unquote good guys. And then the whispers showed up to take her back. And this kind of happened throughout the season. And she was like, they realized that she had been badly abused by these people. So they decided to protect her. And that's how all of their people got kidnapped and murdered. Basically. Uh, I thought that there was actual fear. Like there was actually some scary parts. Uh, Dan Fogler is a great addition to the show. Dan Fogler, uh, Rob, you know, him from, uh, the, Crimes of Grind- Grindelwald and all those things. He's the, yes, the Crimes of Grundleham and the first one. Uh, he was the the uh, muggle that hangs out with them. Right. And I, I like him and uh, the the gold farbs. Oh, golden, <laughs> golden girls. Golden girls. Falls of Fury. Yes, and, uh, yeah, Falls yeah. of Fury. 
Yeah, Balls of Fury. And the Goldfarbs, and that is not at all what it's called. The Goldbergs. I like them in that as well. <laughs> Some other Jewish name. And you said it, not me. You're Jewish. You can say um, things like I know. that. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, Goldblatt's. Uh, anyway, yeah, I, I liked him. Uh, also, my other favorite new character is Dog, which is a dog that follows uh, follows uh, Daryl around. So I like that character. And as I said before, the show needed snow, and god damn it, they gave us snow, and I loved it. They gave you snow. They've been listening! I swear to god, they've been listening. They gave us snow. It was a big snowstorm. It was beautifully done. There was frozen zombies. There was Daryl angrily breaking a zombie's, shattering a zombie's head with the back of his crossbow. There were zombies frozen in water. There were zombies bursting out of the snow. Yes! I was excited about that, uh... And I'm kind of interested to see where it goes now because the kingdom has fallen. It did another mini time jump. After all those people died, the kingdom has fallen. Those whispers have headed south for the winter. And uh, that's where we're at. Now, do I guess it's hard because the numbers are um, are so skewed. Wacky the, new. Because of the, the downloads and people watching at different times. Do you think it suffered at all from from losing its its main main characters um they were actually surprised the the article i read was one of the industry related articles and it said that usually there's more than a 20 percent drop from a main character from a main character leaving on any show so pick a show you know i don't know I'm trying to think of a show where our main character left uh, world. <laughs> the office yeah the office like that i mean actually that went up because it started i don't know either way usually it's about 20 percent ish uh, this only fell about 7.2% between the last episode where, where Rick was and the next one. So that was kind of interesting. And they kind of then hovered around those numbers. So it's not like it, it's not like it was people just, well, let's see what they're going to do now. And then didn't like it and left. It was, mm-hmm. it kind of hovered around those numbers. So I don't think so. And okay. I think they honestly, like, I was kind of happy that Rick left because they kind of missed, they mishandled his character for many of the seasons. Like, I understand why he was mopey Rick, but. I didn't want to follow that. Right. So there was a lot, there was a lot of wavering. It's like those, sometimes you used to watch a movie or read comics or books or where they can't decide whether they want to be a character to be a good guy or a bad guy. So they kind of hover in between and nothing seems directed. And it was kind of like that for a while. Or but, you have Walter White, who was supposed to be a bad guy the whole time. And everybody's like, I like him. He's a hero. Yeah. No, he's not. So, what? <laughs> so I'm interested to see where they go. And I know they have the next season set up. So I will continue watching, if only to annoy you two. I may Don't watch it. Me. No, I'm going to go ahead and take the headphones off now. You guys are going to talk about the movie I have not had a chance to see yet. Snape, you're going to talk about us. All right. So as Greg gets clear of the microphone and his headphones, so he doesn't hear any spoilers because Rob and I are about to spoil dad ass. So. Mm-hmm. We've got the movie Us. It's the second offering from director Jordan Peele from Key and Peele fame, who turns out is a pretty damn good horror suspense director. Mm-hmm. Um, would you agree, Rob? I, yes. I, I mean, I wasn't as enamored with Get Out as you guys right. were, but this movie I thought was fantastic. I thought it was great. I, yep. I liked it. It was very well done. So, of course, we are talking about Us that was released on March 22nd. And it stars Black Panther alumni Lupita Nyong'o and Winston Duke. It also stars Shahadi Wright-Joseph as Zora. 
Wilson and Evan Alex as the mask wearing at all times Jason Wilson, <laughs> which is great. Yeah. Is is this the part where I where I admit that I thought the husband was um, Tyler Perry? <laughs> <laughs> I can see it in his face a little bit. I mean, if you, I was like, is that Tyler Perry? If you get Tyler Perry a little bit longer hair, yeah, um, they're kind of built the same way. Winston Duke's a big man, mm-hmm. um, but they're kind of kind of built the same way. But yeah, um, so. This uh, kind of synopsis of the movie is the uh, the Wilson family. They uh, retreat to their vacation home for a small vacation to disconnect, to get away, and to reconnect with each other. Well, things uh, things don't go quite as planned when a family shows up at the end of their driveway in one fucking creepy scene. <laughs> yeah, it was. Whew. So let's talk about that because as, as far as – I'm really concerned. This is where, well, let's back up a little bit. Let me go ahead and back up and say that you caught the Lost Boys reference, right? Um, I was looking, and I'm not sure what it was you were referring. Okay, so in... Other than the boardwalk thing. That was it. Okay. Yeah, (laughs) and that was good enough for me. Uh, We we made the bold decision to go see it on a Saturday night. Mm -hmm. I believe this Saturday night, you guys were at an escape room. But you will never catch me going to a movie on a Saturday night, man. Just too many kids. Oh, yeah. we went to Waterford, too. Oh, man. I know, but I just had to see it. Um, just too many rumblings around the office. And I'm just, mm-hmm. like, running away from conversations. <laughs> with, you with your hands in the air, high-stepping, <laughs> my hands over my ears. Yeah. Knees to chest. Running like Jim Carrey down the hallway. Exactly. Uh, the Lost Boys reference we're, we're talking about, of course, there's a, the movie starts in 1986. Yeah. Um, and they are at the Santa Cruz pier and the mother leans down to the little girl and says, they're filming a movie over there by the carousel. You should go see if they need extras. And that movie that they're talking about is The Lost Boys. So true to horror, Jordan Peele throws a really cool reference in there. There's also a weird, like, Black Flag connection in there, which is a punk band in the 80s. Okay. The um the ride vendor, not the ride vendor, but the guy who was heading up the whack-a-mole booth is wearing a Black Flag shirt. Oh, nice. In 1986. And then... One of the two twin daughters is wearing a black flag shirt in present day. Okay, I just thought it was a really cool nod. So, what are your initial impressions of the movie, Rob? Well, my initial impression was, oh my god, they didn't take the Michael Jackson Thriller shirt out of the movie. Um, oh, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the the movie itself was absolutely amazing. I really mm-hmm. got into it. It sucked you in and it held on to you for the for the entire length of the movie. It, it was like, oh, what's going on? What's going sure, on? What's going yeah, happen? yeah, definitely. And and we'll get to it a little bit later. Mm-hmm. But the the ending kind of ruined the movie a little bit for me. Mm, it um, didn't the, it didn't the ruin the movie for me. It didn't take anything away from the actual movie and enjoying the movie, but the ending left me with so many more questions that didn't make sense than mm-hmm. 
than me going, oh, what a twist, you know? It was more like, at the end, with the twist, it was more like, wait a minute. If that's, how did, I don't understand. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I, there was more of that at the end of the movie with that twist. The, the twist didn't make sense to me, I guess is what I'm saying. Sure. And this, uh, I don't know, it was it was fine. And it was completely me. unnecessary. It didn't have to be there. Right. The, the movie would have been better without the twist, in my opinion. It didn't shed any light onto the story. It didn't really help to explain things. You can, mm-hmm. it, I mean, I guess it did a little bit, but no, not really. At the same time, it was just like, uh, that's, oh, okay, but what about this then? Like, what, you know, anyway, we'll talk about it a little bit more. Stay tuned for that twist. Uh, if, if you don't want any spoilers, then don't stay tuned. Skip ahead right now. So, yeah, I agree with you 100%. I think, um, I think Jordan Peele is great. I think he's a true horror fan and he's funny. He can write funny shit into the, I think, most dark of situations. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that was on the, the boat, that... for example. The damn boat. Uh-huh. But go ahead. What were you going to say? Because I want to know. Well, the, the way that the, that the dad and the family act with the, with the freaky family standing at the end of the driveway. Yeah. Su- super intense. But you're still laughing at the way that they're interacting because you're like, okay, well, you know, they're super nervous and that's why they're doing this. But it's hilarious. It and- it really is. Yeah. Because the dad, you know, he's he comes out and he's like, all right, you guys can leave now because if you're trying to scare my family, then, you know, I don't appreciate this. And he comes back out and he's like, get the hell out of my driveway. You know, just trying to be, all right, well, I got to protect my family. But it's in a funny way. Right. You know? It's just, and then they freak out and start to approach the house, and he's like, "What the heck?" He's like running back inside. He's like, "Oh yeah, I mean, um, yeah," because call, call the cops. <laughs> it was like I already did because yeah. he wouldn't listen to her. Um, but God, that scene that I'm talking about, man, where the family kind of breaks away and then mm-hmm. the shadow dad starts walking towards him. Mm-hmm. Everybody, I mean, I was in a sold out theater, and I settle in. And that part of me just goes, God damn it. These people are going to be talking the whole time. And I got to listen to them chew their damn popcorn. It was a very enjoyable theater experience. Now, see, this was one of those movies. There's there's a couple of movies where it works. Mm-hmm. This was one of those movies where it works. I was sitting in the theater and it was one of those movies where people started talking to the screen. Yep. And yep. everybody was joining was in going. on it. Everybody was laughing. You know, that that he went out he went out to confront the family at the end of the driveway. They moved and I think somebody like two rows back and like six seats down went, Oh hell no. Yeah, that's the same experience that <laughs> And that everybody had... started laughing and it just yeah. it, you know, people just started kind of commenting during the movie and it was it was great. It was, it was yeah, one of those I, movies where it worked. I had the exact same experience and you know, I went and saw Get Out when it when Jordan Peele released it in the theaters again for free for one day. Mm-hmm. And he came on the screen before and said, Hey, you'll let's open up some conversation about this movie, scream at the screen, you know, just have a good time. And I think people, uh, I think that's a thing with his movies. People, I, we, we had a screamer in there. I also uh, think, I also think that it's a testament to his ability to create a very 
unnerving scene because Very, I think yeah. I think that's a reaction that a lot of people have when they're watching something that kind of makes them nervous or uncomfortable. They start to lighten the mood or they start to do things, you know, talk out, be like, oh, no, don't go in there. Oh, God, no. just just to alleviate some of the tension and so i think that's a testament to how well written and directed and acted this movie was it really was um i joined in myself amazing she was she's she's fantastic yeah uh i mean i she could act in any role honestly um winston duke was fantastic i i loved how they played their doppelgangers I mean, you know, all right. So, you know, getting into it um, when the family first comes in and they, they kind of settle in, she's walking and she's got these very robotic movements. You're like, why is she walking like that? Yeah. She was walking like she was doing a dance routine like ballet. And that makes sense later on in the movie, but it was just, this, it, it was just this little touch that later on I was like, Oh, okay. That's why. Um, you know, Winston Duke, his character played, I mean, he was the complete opposite of his character. His, his character is this, you know, smart dad, you know, and, and his, his, uh, his shadow version of himself was a hulking monster, a hulking monster, a big, scary monster who couldn't even verbalize things. He just screamed, um, so and, and they have know, that, the they have the obligatory oh that's going to come back later in the movie scenes but I I think just like every horror movie does that yeah there were there were there was uh the scene on the boat where his character was screaming into the darkness and somebody was screaming back at him um, or or the scene where he first gets the boat and the engine cuts off yep and he slaps <laughs> it and it oh, comes on and dumps him in the water. When that happened, I leaned to Jen and I was like, that's going to come back later in the movie, by the way. Be ready for that. And it did. It sure did. And uh, it was funny. There's that, uh, you know, other scene where he's talking with his um, his friend, neighbor at the mm-hmm. beach. And his neighbor's like, what do you know about boating? He's like, do you have a flare gun? And he's like, uh, uh, you know, yep. it's always with the flare gun. And he ends up, okay, yep. so he ends Comes up back. shooting it at his neighbor later on in the movie. Um, his neighbor's shadow. Oh, yes. Which I think that was the first big twist for me. Um, was that there was more than just the family? Correct. Yeah. So, you know, the, the shadow people show up and they, they're all different. Um, but they're all a copy, a broken copy of the people. Mm -hmm. Um, and it turns out, yeah, that they're not the only ones with shadow people. So, I, I got to tell you, man, when they kind of wrestled away from their twins, quote, um, and they went over to the other family's house, uh, the the music, the use of music in there was so great. Yeah. Good, good vibrations by um, the Beach Boys and yep. then Fuck the Police by NWA. <laughs> Call the police. <laughs> <laughs> Playing Fuck the Police by NWA. Yeah. It, it, every – and – you know, the kids are just kind of strutting a little bit at that point because they're like, all right, we're killers now, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, it was just, it was so f- much fun to watch those scenes. Um, there were unique deaths 
Mm-hmm. You know, there were total horror movie deaths, you know, whether it's falling off a second floor or, you know, getting chopped up by a propellers on a boat, you know, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> jump scares abound. Yep. Jump like scares. Any good horror movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some, some disturbing and really kind of taut psychological scenes. Right. Um, even some claustrophobic scenes. You know, it, it really, I feel like, had something for every horror fan. The fire. A lot of people scared of fire. A lot of people are, getting, are scared of getting stuck in the so, middle of, a, you know, the ocean. So since we're going to spoil the ending, Jimmy, uh, you want to give them a quick quick rundown of, like, basically what's going on? I mean, I, I know that we've kind of hinted at it, but the the whole thing is is that underground there's tons of tunnels and I guess these tunnels were used for like experiments. So there are clones or shadow people, if you will, that have been living in these tunnels forever. And the whole movie is basically about them coming out of the tunnels. Yes. It is the shadow people uprising. Basically Um, at the very beginning of the film, there's a quote on the screen and it didn't make any GD sense at the time. Mm -hmm. It said there are thousands of miles of unused or there are, Thousands of miles of tunnels underneath the United States, many of whose purposes are not known, uh, whether that's like railways, subway systems, etc. Um, well, that's alluding to the fact that, as Rob said, these shadow people or these clones are uh, have lived underground for, let's say, like ever for for. Since they said around sometimes, since like around the end of World War II or something like that, where when the experiments begin, uh, you see a whole shit ton of rabbits at the beginning of the movie. And that's mm-hmm. because these experiments underground started with cloning rabbits. They eventually moved into cloning people. Now, I believe what it was said was that the purpose of these clones who were tethered to people on the surface mm-hmm. was to control them. Right. But the experiment failed. Right. And they are broken. Right. Uh, they go on to show what's happening above the surface and then what's happening below the surface. So once it's revealed, um, Adelaide's shadow character, Adelaide is Lupita Nyong'o. Mm-hmm. Um, her shadow character goes on to explain this to her. Um, and where was I going with that? So they're, they're showing what's like, they show people on the, in the tunnels and then they show people on the surface. Yeah. The people that they're tethered to the, you know, correlation, the, there's like two people playing rock, paper, scissors. Right. Mm -hmm. And then they show their shadow people and they're just kind of like my, like, kind of doing the same actions but it's not right yeah um you've got the guy playing the uh, whack-a-mole and then they they show his counterpart under the surface and he's just like punching a wall punching a wall punching a wall like he's playing whack-a-mole on the wall or something yeah so now whether i I think their movements are being influenced by their tethered people on the surface Mm -hmm. as opposed to the shadow people controlling their surface people. That's the source of some debate, I guess. And, and that's that's where my big problem with the twist, or one of my big problems with the twist ending. All right, in. so what do we have between now and the twist? So basically, you have the Wilson family. They end up um, 
overcoming their shadow people. Um, it turns out that, well, this is getting into the twist, but so and I'll let you do that. Mm-hmm. But it turns out that, yeah, they're there. It's not the only family with a shadow family. Right. Uh, the shadow people are basically in every city. Um, they've been given the cue to kind of come to the surface and take over. Well, not really take over. They're, They're the shadow people all wear red jumpsuits. Yes. And that's all part of their their plot to do the hands across America thing. The 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 program or whatever it was in the eighties. Yeah. The idea we, we, of joining hands across people. America, people helping people. And they have like, you know, they use like red stick figures and it was across, it was a shirt or something and it was across mm-hmm. the, the country. And so you can identify the shadow people by the red jumpsuits that they wear because the people on the shirt were red. So they all wore red jumpsuits, but their goal basically is to come out, kill their create counterparts, right? Kill their counterparts and create a statement by making a human chain from coast to coast. So what, like, what's the statement for if they I kill did, everyone? That was still kind of... A little fuzzy. Yeah, yeah. The, the statement was lost a little bit. That I think they paid more attention to the twist. And the twist was... The twist was, was that the main character, Adelaide, I believe is that her name? Was? Adelaide, yes. Yeah. The main character, Adelaide, was a shadow person. Yes. She was a gifted shadow person. A different and, shadow person. And she she basically took the place of her surface counterpart when she was like 11 or something like that yeah. and brought her down underneath the surface. And then she went up to the surface to live out a regular life, basically. Mm-hmm. Now, now, the movie itself was great. Fantastic. And it didn't need this twist at the end. Because like I said, this twist just left you with more questions. And it was like, mm-hmm. well, wait a minute. So was the underground area like magical and it made people act out what was happening on the surface or were they acting out what was happening on the surface because the broken clones were tethered to their original counterparts. And if the broken clones were tethered to their original counterparts, them switching places shouldn't have mattered. Mm -mm. Right? No. Um, Yeah. That's a question that I have was, uh, so they were all doing these herky jerky movements that were not I'm talking about the shadow people, mm-hmm. but the people on the surface were doing, so I More think, regular. yeah, I think the people, all right. So here's my theory on that, that whatever experiment they did didn't work and mm-hmm. it was incomplete so that the, I think the people above ground, I think their actions were influencing the people below ground. Okay. I think it worked out the wrong way. I have no proof to this, but you do have the scene where young Alex discovers that he control he can control his shadow clone. Right. Remember and if where he puts his arms out and he starts right. walking backwards into the fire. So And that's a problem with with the main character being a shadow clone because the, the shadow clone if the shadow clone can be controlled by the by the original, if you will, then mm-hmm. How does that how does that work? I mean, she can't just switch places and then all of a sudden the girl the original becomes a shadow person. It doesn't work like that. Or at least it shouldn't work like that. If nobody else works like that, why does she work like that? It doesn't make any sense. Well, her shadow version 
um, yeah, no, you're right. I mean, because she, they, they went different. real in depth in it because after that she got into dance and they showed many scenes of the girl who's supposed to be the original having to do the ballet dance and stuff and throwing herself all around the halls. And it's like, but that does the twist makes that not work in my opinion. I gotcha. I understand that. No, no. Yeah. I understand that completely. Um, for me, that twist at the end, and I know we're going a little bit long on this, but that twist at the end did not completely ruin the movie for me. I was just kind of like, eh, that. still a great movie, but eh, okay, we didn't really need that. Yeah, it, it was it was completely unnecessary, and in my opinion, it damaged the overall product as opposed to enhancing it. It didn't ruin the it, movie. It didn't right. ruin the movie, but if I had the choice... I would get up and walk out of the movie before that last like three minutes of the movie, because you've seen Agreed. all the at that point. Yeah, that's a good point. You just stand up when you go see the movie and be like, guys, don't watch this next part. Yeah. So the last three minutes of the movie, just get up and walk out. Don't watch it because it, it, yeah. <laughs> it damages the overall product. It doesn't enhance the, it doesn't enhance the movie by adding, Oh, that's a neat twist. No, it, it, it brings this twist around and you're like, well, that doesn't effing make any sense. Why, yeah. why did we I, do this? I tried to reason it out. And, and I just uh, shot holes in your reason. Is that what happened? <laughs> no, 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 no. I, my, you know, this conversation happened on the way back from it. And, uh, I was like, Oh, well, I mean, you were saying your girlfriend it, thought the same thing, right? She said, what did you think of that ending? You know, was it, did it add anything to the film? You know, or was it even necessary? And I was like, well, you know, her kid, realize that she was like no uh, no now thinking about it it's one of those movies a few days after i need time to process things like that mm -hmm. and it's a thing that a few days later it kind of you know soured a little bit for me but still not enough for me to to not recommend the movie to oh people. no ab absolutely not no, and, and don't yeah. get me wrong that's not what i'm saying here oh i, I know i know you're not yeah no the the movie i enjoyed very much but in my opinion that twist ending damaged what was set up in the movie because it made you question. It made you go back and say, well, wait a minute. Now this doesn't make sense. Like shit. I thought I had it figured out. Damn it. Right. Like, you, you just go back and you're like, well, well then how does this? And then if that's that, then why is this like this? And then why is that like that? And then it just, and then it kind of starts to unravel a little bit. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Agreed. Definitely agree. Now and, and they had such a great product up to that point that it, that it was like why would you do that why <laughs> yeah um because then know. you start picking at the threads yeah that's true that's true i mentioned it to someone and they had seen it and they were like well speaking of picking at the threads I said where did they get the fabric from where did they get the scissors from where they and i'm just like don't ask those questions they, no they opened it up you you have to ask them now I'm not, I'm not going to, we could go on for 45 minutes more. <laughs> I just assume they had, they had the facilities underground to process food. They had the facilities to make clothes. They had the facilities to get red cloth. I no, mean, they, did, they didn't have the facilities to process food because they had to eat the rabbits raw. Remember? Oh yeah, that's right. They ate all the rabbits, but they could make blankets, I guess. And how did they keep like, getting? How did they keep getting DNA of like all the new people to make clones and stuff? I don't fucking know. 
Yeah. No, see, with that ending, you start you start picking it apart. You start asking those questions. And yeah. it's just like, don't ask me. I don't want to. No, don't. Stop. You're going to ruin it for me. I don't want to think about that stuff. Yeah. Where did they get the scissors? I don't freaking know. Yeah. So, great movie. Get up and leave before the twist ending. That's a hard thing to do for people like me, but I would I would do the same. Just, yeah, just no, that never happened. Let's yeah. just pretend that never happened. So, um, is that Greg telling us that we're going too long? I think so. Yeah, probably. So, we're going to wrap this up. And, uh, Rob, what do you say? Where should you see this movie? How do you rate it based on our rating system? I would say I'm not going to give it opening day. Or I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna give it opening day IMAX. I might say like a uh, what? What is it? Full price opening day, five dollar Thursday. The five dollar Tuesday. $5 full Tuesday. price opening day. Yeah. Dollar theater. Uh huh. And then rental. Mm-hmm. I think there's other stuff. We we got to write this down. <laughs> yeah, we got to work that out. <laughs> I I would say I would say uh, five dollar Tuesday. Okay, I would say go see it for full price on a weekend, which is a huge huge stretch for me and i i I would have said that if it not if not for the ending so go see it in the theater pumped it down definitely go see it in the theater scream at it yes it's a that's part of the fun yeah it's a fun party movie so check it out that's our review of us greg you can now come back so greg based on that uh previous conversation that rob and myself had i think we are going to replace you sir with a helper monkey Uh, you better find one that can edit well, any monkey can do that. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Guys, we got one last topic. What is that? Guys, we are going to talk about the very fun movie Kung Fu Hustle, which has been out, which has been out for a little while since uh, for fifteen years. Yeah, since two thousand four. But I did see it spring up on Reddit, and it reminded me that it, that it existed. And I will talk about that in a second. But we are going to actually have a special guest. Special but, guest. But I'm the special. So guest. special. Uh, his name is Jimmy as well. So we have regular Jimmy. And then we have Shadow Jimmy. And we got Shadow Jimmy, but we're we're trying to think of a nickname for him. So, you know, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, that's the man's name. Let him keep it. We sound a little bit different. We're we're fine. Jimmy, yeah. welcome to the show, sir. Thank you. I'm glad Appreciate to Appreciate it. Yeah, very cool. Thank you. Now, uh, Jimmy has the great displeasure of living with Rob. Uh, yeah. <laughs> It's not so much as a displeasure, but having to pay to live with him. That's the displeasure. Oh, there you go. Cool. That's that in the, and salt the, in the wound the right there. Watching you sleep and recording you sleep is just a bonus, right? He oh, he man. wakes up and sees me standing by his bed, you know, like picking my belly buttons. Like, hey, how you doing? <laughs> Sorry, sleepwalking can't help it. Notice some of us are laughing about that and some of us are not. Rob's not <laughs> laughing. No, and nor is is guest Jimmy. Oh, so, anyway, the reason why this movie came up was on Reddit about a week ago. There was one of those things that was like, find a scarier villain. And it had like, you know, one of those little memes with like Thanos, yeah. and Darth Vader and whatever. The landlady. And the landlady was there. And I'm like, why do I know that? And it took me a second. I'm like, and then I looked through the comments. I'm like, oh, my God, I've seen this movie. And I actually saw it at the Enzian. Oh, uh, really? Wow, when cool. it came out and which is our local theater which we've talked about too much to to go into again but i saw it and i remember the trailer being so cool and stylized with like the dancing and the the 40s style horns and stuff i'm like i have to see this movie so i went back like two days later or whatever it was and then somehow managed to not remember it up until 
uh, I saw it again on Netflix. So I figured it'd be kind of a fun thing for us to cover. And we kind of spread that around us and uh, we figured out we'd cover it. And we discovered that you, sir, Jimmy, I'm talking about you, are a, uh, you are also a fan of this movie. Is that correct? Yes, I am a, a huge fan. Awesome. When I told him we were going to be watching it and recording, he's like, you want to watch it? I own it. Let's go get it. <laughs> I was like, oh, God. All right. That's awesome. Yeah, because it's like uh, definitely like I laugh out loud every time. Like I see it. How many times I see it? One or 100. I'm always laughing. What what about it? What about this movie in particular? Is it? I mean, is it is it Stephen Chow? Are you a fan of Shaolin Soccer as well, or is it just this one? Oh yeah, it's definitely a, a Stephen Chow film, but only because like he kind of does that um like a old school like a slapstick Chinese feel, you know? Mm-hmm. Like most of the films that are like um like comedy in um, the Chinese style is pretty much just like uh, Shaolin Soccer or Kung Fu Hustle. I was I was actually wondering about that. Because yeah. it, if you start watching the movie without knowing it's a comedy movie, like it starts off a little dreary and drab. And I'm not sure what the first comedy bit is. I think it is. It's not the dude like falling off the roof. I think it, something kind of funny happens before that. But like the tone changes, you're like, oh, okay, this is action and fantasy and comedy and a little bit of history. I, I think it's the dancing. No. Like, I think the dancing was the first part of it that I was like, oh, this isn't just a ruthless axe gang. The guy's dancing. <laughs> Am we I were wrong? watching that and I'm like, what's with the weird axe man dance number? What, <laughs> what is going on? I mean, that's kind of like a, like a twist to it, but it was like mostly, uh, you know, kind of like with the whole Kung Fu, everybody's like running or uh, when they're like running away and there's like the circle for feet, kind of like cartoon. Oh, style. yeah. I love that. <laughs> that was actually in the trailer. Yeah, so it's like kind of like like scenes like that, and um, and also when he's like uh trying to throw the knives at the lady, at the landlady. Oh, I almost died. Yeah, <laughs> because that. Oh man, you go. It can't. They can't possibly do it again. Oh, oh, yeah. Nope, they did it again. Oh, jeez. But it was funny. It was. Yeah. It wasn't like, oh, God, they're doing it again. It was like, oh, that poor guy. And he goes, you threw the handle at her. And he goes, where's the blade? <laughs> oh, it's in you. And he took it out. And he's like, no, 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 leave it alone. So he stuck it back in. <laughs> so funny. Uh, so uh, this movie released in 2004 from director, writer, and star Stephen Chow. Um of Shaolin soccer fame is it's just, uh, it's a zany Kung Fu movie, you know, it really is. But it's the, the amazing thing is, is that as ridiculous as the movie is, it's actually a pretty decent movie. Like it's got a, it's got a coherent plot line. It's got a direction that it takes it and they keep and, telling the story. And I really felt like there were some, Oh shit moments in there mm-hmm. um the reveal of you know two of the members of the um you know greatest fighters on earth society kind of deal you're like but, yeah oh it's them yeah i thought that was that was really cool because at first you're like oh, okay these people are all crazy overpowered and you're like oh okay these are the masters that's why they are the overpowered ones mm-hmm. and in that first fight scene you're like jesus does everybody in this village know kung fu what is going on <laughs> Well, I mean, they did have that really ripped kid, you know? 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that was so funny. When he was yeah. picking somebody to fight. You, yeah. step forward. No, no, hey, not you. <laughs> hey, Shorty, come here. The guy stands up. He's like seven and a half feet tall. He's like, come on. What is with you people? <laughs> that was I one think- of my favorite parts in the movie, honestly. So, uh, I think we'd be a little remiss if we didn't mention that uh, Jimmy, other new Jimmy, actually is uh, ch- is Chinese. So, did you get a chance? Did you see a lot of Chinese movies growing up? Yes, well, I mean that's why it's like a with uh, Kung Fu Hustle and uh, Shaolin Soccer. It's kind of like mm-hmm. a a good cross between Western and Eastern comedy because, like you know, they have the slapstick stuff and they also have like those like cultural things in there. Yeah, there's like a lot of references in there. Like if yeah. you really read everything, there's a lot of stuff. You're like, wait. Was that a Spider-Man reference? Mm-hmm. Because Stephen Chow clearly is a fan of both of both worlds. So I think I, I, which is another reason why I like this movie so much. And this uh, was the highest grossing film ever made in Hong Kong uh, when it, up until recently. I don't know if anything's changed that. Uh, and it was also the highest grossing foreign language film in the U.S. Really? Yeah. Which I thought was actually kind of interesting because I know there was a few other ones like, you know, from Italian filmmakers and Spanish filmmakers that I'm very surprised I'm surprised. I'm surprised that a film like um, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon didn't do it because that was a big movie when it came out. Yeah, um, I, I, I don't know. I just I can just see what I read, but you're, yeah, that's true. And uh, in fact, speaking of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, I'll just go ahead and say it now. The choreographer for the fight scenes is uh, this is gonna I'm gonna get yelled at, but Yun Wu Ping. Uh, he did Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and The Matrix, and he also choreographed the fight scenes in this movie. So. You could probably see some of that stuff with the wire work. Yeah. But yeah, I, I did a lot of facts on this movie because I was gotcha. knowing full well that I was going to butcher every name that I said. I got a lot of Matrix from this. Um, I, I really yeah, did. Yeah, there were, there were a couple. But um, unique unto itself. My, uh, my personal favorite was when Jimmy was watching the movie. Uh, Jimmy Jimmy, not, not my Jimmy. Or okay. not, not Asian Jimmy. <laughs> Okay, um, <laughs> but we're going with Asian Jimmy. Sorry out there if you're offended, but he actually yes. is Asian and his name is Jimmy. True so, story. Yeah. Um, when when Jimmy started watching it, he texted me and Greg and was like, "This movie is batshit insane," and <laughs> yeah. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I had to say batshit insane because I don't felt I didn't feel like batshit crazy would do it justice. Yeah. Um, you know, I'd seen Shaolin Soccer. And I started watching this movie, and I was like, wait a minute. Is is this the same movie? Because Stephen Chow, he stars in both. And it has that same – it's zany. I mean mm-hmm. it's cartoon goofy at times, but so goddamn heartfelt in other places. that You're just like, no, I didn't expect that. Why? Oh, God, why? You know, like why am I crying? Um, but, man, it just – from the the very beginning scenes when um they go to the police station they come out and you're like Ugh, this dude's gross this mobster guy he's just nasty and you know they're walking on the deserted street and all the the police shut all their windows and you just go what's going on here it's cool because it kind of looks like a set the way everything is it was beautiful mm-hmm. yeah beautiful like this you know it was 1940s you know, and and I will say that that opening dance number with the Axemen, I think, was just used to illustrate how the Axemen, how the Axemen, or the Axeman gang, yeah, just the Axeman, yeah. 
Oh, the X Gang. The X Gang. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, the X Gang. It, you know it, that that dance scene was to was to illustrate because they kept going back, and every time they went back, there were more people there, and I think that was just to illustrate how their number yep. kept growing. Yep, yep, yep. So. Um, mm-hmm. I I dubbed them from very early on um, the Naughty Dancing Lincolns. <laughs> yeah, because they had a they had a penchant for wearing top hats, which they, I, they certainly yeah, did. I didn't quite understand, but that also I was like, it. I was like, can you call that a gang? That's no, that's like an army. That's a militia. Well, the the leader of the gang, I, I, this is one of my little facts, was uh, the leader of the gang was is in a band called Poet. It's like a Chinese band, okay, or a Hong Kong band, and they were having a hard time figuring out how to make him look tough because it always kind of made him look lame. Mm-hmm. So finally, they're like, well, Give you're in a band, you know how to dance. Let's see if this. And they almost kind of threw that stuff together right off the cuff. He was clearly the best dancer in yeah. the choreograph scenes because <laughs> he was the one that pretty much did it. Like he r- helped write it and came up with that part, which is kind of neat. If they didn't give him those nasty teeth, he would have been too handsome for that role. I think. Yeah, I was wondering about that. The teeth was like, because they they like focus in on him at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I mean that's kind of like one of those uh, Asian stereotypes, though. Is is, is it, it that yeah. Asian people have bad teeth? Yeah, I thought that was English those people, British people. Oops. Oh no! Like you see, like those um those internet videos where they're like they're like ugly at one uh, shot and then they're like beautiful in the second they take their hand off the camera. Like that's pretty much like the norm almost, like between the regular you know country folk, I guess, of huh. the population. Hmm. I I'd, I'd never thought that. Yeah. That's kind of interesting. Yeah. I know there were stereotypes like back in the day, like World War II, but mm-hmm. obviously that was more that was more Japanese stereotypes. But interesting. So for the for a fan, you're the big fan of karate movies. Uh, well, both Jimmy's, I'm assuming, mm-hmm. or martial arts movies, I guess would be the way to put it. Hell yeah. uh, so oh, how do, how does this stack up to some of the, like the more hardcore action films that you like? Jimmy, you go first. Um, we put you on the spot. Like how's it? Like how do you mean? How's it stack up? How does, oh, yeah. it, how does it compare to other martial arts movies? Yeah, I guess that's that's a good way to put that. Thank you, Rob. Oh, it's uh, I like it better than like uh, the traditional ones where like you know I mean it's over the top. Like he just goes into crowded gangs with axes and they come out like unscathed. Like um, whereas it's like you know kind of like in the uh, back in the day they try to focus on like effects and like the powder. You know when when someone gets punched, there's like a dust of uh, what is it baby powder or something? Mm-hmm. Oh like, yeah, gives that effect. You know where it looks staged, but like in a uh, Kung Fu hustle, it was just, you know, where it was like the matrix, like flawless flow almost. Mm-hmm. Even when like um, the three, uh, the three masters were fighting and sparring before they had to leave the village. And I will say, oh, you're, yeah. you're, you're absolutely right. You hit it on the head there because even, even down to the camera work, the camera work reminded me a lot of the matrix. Yeah. How they would like freeze frame and they'd kind of move it around while the room was like exploding or something. And mm-hmm. you know, Yeah. Yeah, and um, also when like they capture almost the essence of kung fu, where he comes out as like I don't know the enlightened one, I guess, mm-hmm. and the axe gang is like running at him, and then all he does is shift two feet, and then you know basically counters like an attack from like three people, and it like uh basically the um what kung fu is supposed to be is just like minimal movement but with maximum effect, right? You know, whereas like in the old olden days they're like flying like majestically and jumping off of bamboo leaves. You know, but i.e. crouching that, uh, tiger or or a, or an eagle in flight yeah. <laughs> yeah. i was about to say like they also like touch all that like hey serious like kung fu and then <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, I really I loved that last fight scene with the the minimum movement, maximum effect kind of thing, especially mm-hmm. the the one hallway that he was kind of running down and like they he got past all those guys that were all crowded in the hallway and then it cut back to the other view and there was the one dude who was like stuck in the roof. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Bang over the balcony. I was like, wow. And that totally reminded me of the game Kung Fu from the original Nintendo, just like the the angle and stuff where you was like one guy running against a bunch of other ones that were all like running towards him. Uh with all of these movies, the one thing I always love is the way the villains and the different fighting styles and the weaponry and stuff like that is so creative. And this is from uh what Ninja Scroll from every one of these movies mm-hmm. that that's a martial arts movie. And I thought the, whatever that is, a mandolin, the two blind guys that were launching like sound knives was so creative and so cool. Yeah. And that, that whole scene was riveting. Like usually long battle scenes out my mind will wander. And this yeah. one, I was like focused. I was like, this is awesome. I agree. Yeah. I was like, how are they going to, Oh no, another one's down. Like, uh, Oh, how are they going to, how is anyone going to survive this? Mm-hmm. Like but, a, yeah, and then it was like, how's this? Then how are they going to top this? And then of course they did the thing with the uh, the lion roar. Yeah, the the lion roar, the Buddhist palm style stuff, the uh, the frog style. Yeah, frog style was ridiculous. I love the absolutely frog ridiculous. Style. <laughs> it was, and it was it was basically that it was a spear from yeah. from uh, WWE and the big things. Yeah, this movie was a, was an absolute delight, and I, I don't know how I forgot about it. I'm still mad at myself. Yeah, I. I recommended this movie to my entire class today. Um, for me, it was <laughs> Greg's. Like, oh, you did? <laughs> yeah, I certainly did. Greg I'll was... see them. I'll see them next month. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, they're really fun. But for me, going watching this where there were hundreds of people running at one person, I was like, all right, here's where I put my focus glasses on. You know, is this going to be cohesive? Is this going to make sense? And yeah, hell yeah, it did. Um, what I I guess I don't understand. They were kind of making fun of the one guy for being a coolie, and I I don't know what that really meant. Um, Asian but, Jimmy. Uh, see, you, those are one of those cultural things. Um, I googled it, but I want to hear what you say. Like it's almost like the lowest caste of like you know Chinese. Uh, I guess like hierarchy, like basically the peasants of the peasants, like and that's. You know, that's essentially what what it said. It's a derogatory term for an unskilled laborer. Okay. Yeah, they're like picking up trash off the side of the road, basically hauling heavy stuff like he was doing, like you know, mm-hmm. with the I guess the bags the of sacks rice or, or what, yeah. whatever it was that he was picking up. Yeah. yeah, that was pretty cool actually. Where he flipped the one onto his his back with his foot. Yeah, that was just, yeah, was, I, those large large scale fight scenes were so great. You know, they were so well done, so well choreographed. And, uh, it really, you know, when, when one of those would happen, aside from one of the goofy things going on, you go, man, this is like for real Kung Fu. Like they're, you know, this is good. It's not just some guy, you know, punching the ground and then hundreds of people fly all over the place. Um, and I love that, that when they did fly all over the place, they made the sound of a pinball machine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... I loved uh, it. I was, I was there was so... quite a, a bit of um, uh, peeing in this movie on children, which uh, <laughs> that, so that was a thing that happened. Yeah, it was. I totally forgot about that, but of course, Greg oh, would focus on that. God. Too soon, too soon. Well, I ha- I had to go take out Is that the dog. You're still traumatized. What? <laughs> what no, happened? I, 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 I had to go take out the dog, and I came back in, and it was the part where he was in the traffic light, like punching 
his hand like all the way around it. Yeah, and you could see the handprint, and I was like, "What did I miss?" So I had so I, re- I had to rewind a few minutes, and I rewound back to that part, and I was like, "Oh, so that happened you kept twice." Watching that on a loop, didn't you? Uh, pretty much, I yeah. There was a little more peeing on on a y- young child than I meant. So was that a, a well? Is that is that a bully t- tactic in in China? I guess or in Hong Kong? I guess I don't know. Um, so that was a little interesting. I also loved the palm style like graphics or like the way they showed it like the uh-huh. giant handprint like smashing through the building and smashing yeah. onto the ground yeah like, that was awesome the little eagle scream as he leaped off the eagle <laughs> to go higher <laughs> and of course we really can't get too far with this movie without talking about the good old landlady who's an ultimate badass master mm-hmm. and so the, my favorite little fact here was she was not supposed to even be that character in the movie she was not supposed to be played by the woman that played her but I guess the woman that played her, uh, Yuen Kui? Kui? I don't know. Jimmy? You, or Y-U-E-N-Q-I-U. Yeah, you're I don't know how that's pronounced. Mine. Uh, okay. Well, I thought I you were Florida. Florida. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but, but I know you actually speak Chinese, so. Yeah, that was one of the things I was telling them when, when, when I said that you were interested in coming on to do this was that, like, during the movie, they were saying stuff and you were started laughing and I'm like, what? And you were like, Oh, he just said when he said, um, I don't understand what you're saying. You're like, he said, why don't you say it in Chinese? <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't get like those, uh, the translators, like translations that are so off. I mean, like there are some things where it's like, okay, that's the closest that you're going to get to understanding. But then with that, it's just like, why put that, you know? Yeah. Uh, which, which to me kind of would be the, the, the equivalent of somebody going, are you speaking English? What are you what are you saying? Or why why aren't you speaking English or something like that? With with him like mumbling and the guy saying, Why don't you say it in Chinese? Yeah, because like that part really got to me where I was just like, Why did he even say it in English? Like, what are they trying to get at? Like it was just <laughs> randomly, hey, I forgot my line, so improv, you know? Uh, but and then they had to figure out what to put in the the subtitles. But anyway, uh the so the actress, real quick, she uh, was not supposed to play that part. She went with her friend to the uh to the audition. Mm-hmm. And she was watching her friend while smoking a cigarette, and uh, she had a sarcastic look on her face and had the cigarette dangling from her lip. And they basically cast her from that. Yeah. And they didn't even know that. And they didn't even know that she was an actress at that point. She had actually been in a bunch of stuff. She was actually in a James Bond movie. I don't know which one, but this is from the little fact sheet that I found. So she stole the role from her friend. Uh, something like that. I don't know if she stole that role from her friend, but she stole the role from someone. Like it didn't. It didn't really clarify if her friend was actually going for the role of the landlady. Uh, Although it hinted strongly, so I don't want to. Uh, yeah, I don't know. But that's that's basically what uh, I thought was kind of funny, considering she's like the mem- one of the most memorable parts of the the movie. And then, of course, uh, the Beast being the other for me most memorable part of the movie, mm-hmm. who is uh, Bruce Leung, who was uh, you know took took over for Bruce Lee, and in the uh, as they call it, the Bruce Plotation era of the seventies when. Bruce when they were like releasing a ton of karate movies and and martial arts films after Bruce Lee died, so he was he was considered uh, the best one, and he was uh, Stephen Chow's favorite, so that's why they got him into the movie. And he was a badass. Was awesome. Yeah, he was. And then he got converted. It's true. They yeah. didn't kill the bad guy. No. Well, they, he did say he always wanted just a worthy opponent. Right, but at uh, the end, he agrees to be the pupil. He's like, Master, I can teach you if you want to learn. Well, yeah. So is there anything we didn't like about this movie? No. No, the movie was was very enjoyable from beginning to end. Just, <laughs> yeah, just it, a lot, a lot of fun. I 
you you were talking about this earlier, Greg. You were saying, well, you know, if you're in the mood for comedy or martial arts or, you know, which one would you go with? And I had just eaten like a obscene amount of tacos. So <laughs> I got home and I was like, I came home, I laid down. And I was like, I don't want to move too many tacos. <laughs> so, you know, you had mentioned this to us and I, I put it on. It's on Netflix right now. I don't know how long it's going to be on there, but... I didn't realize that I was in the mood for it. I paused it several times. I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to pause it and play Star Wars a little bit and do this. And then I did one of those things where you're, you start a movie, you're laying down, and then you kind of move to the side of your bed. And then you kind of move, you're sitting on the edge of your bed. Then you slowly pull your pants down. Oh, sorry. <laughs> wow. No, I'm not saying that. But... <laughs> It was one of those. There was nothing slow about it. <laughs> where yeah. I I was sitting on the edge of my bed and I was just kind of riveted by it. So you know the humor's there. Some of the graphics don't really hold up to today, but you know, it's, thanks Avengers. You know, thanks Marvel. Yeah, but absolutely enjoyable. Um, and and a lot more heart than I thought it would be. So you know. It, Talking about the the underlying storyline here is you've got, you know, these people in this poor village and the lane lady is this dictatorial kind of ass, you know, where she's just, oh, I'm going to raise your rent this much and this month and you're behind on your rent and whatever. She's protecting her people there. And you have this like underlying love story that comes to this beautiful, sweet conclusion at the end. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, I wasn't expecting that, mm-hmm. you know, but of course they wrap it up with the, the funny, the little snot nose kid. At the end. Yeah. Yeah. Literally, with literally. It's not nose kid. Extraordinarily green boogers. Yes. Like neon green. Like, yeah. yeah. Like he had, you know, toxic waste coming out of his nose or something, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, absolutely enjoyed it. And if you guys got anything else to say about it, then yeah, uh, guys, it's on Netflix. Like Jimmy said. It's awesome. It's called Kung Fu Hustle. Uh, definitely check it out. Check out Shaolin Soccer. Check out, um, you know, all of uh, Stephen Chow's stuff. There, he has a voice in when he directs, and I love it. And that brings us to our question of the week, and that's going to be: What are the most insane, but this is very important, but good films, foreign films that you have seen? That actually is a big part of things because that made me. Yeah, alter my list because there's one that I don't want to mention. Yeah, there's. I looked up despite you typing not to look it up, and no, and uh, yeah, no. Mm-mm. But also the the fact that like one of the big things is if, we, it, we, it's stuff we've seen. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's a lot of countries, there's a lot of movies, so you know we're we're gonna try to put out there the stuff that we've seen and that kind of stuff. So if you want to know what film that I'm specifically referring to, you can email us at give me five podcast at gmail.com. And I will and tell if you, you decide after looking it up that you want to see it. Stop you will hate me up. forever. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to go first, Jimmy. What? Ooh. Oh yeah. Okay. What a twist. Yeah. So, uh, actually a lot of these, uh, these films come from Japan and that's not a coincidence. I went to, to college with a guy that used to like get films from Japan and would show them to us and stuff. So that's actually how I saw a lot of these movies. But uh, number five, Battle Royale, which 
I would say it was really insane, but then it, then Hunger Games kind of came and took the edge off of it because Battle Royale was about a group of school kids that were forced to fight to the death, and mm. so was Hunger Games. So uh, it was very shocking at the time it came out, mm-hmm. and then it became less shocking, but I felt that it should still be on the list. Uh, there was a movie called City of Lost Children, which was actually my first introduction to the idea of like steampunk aesthetic. It's a weird one. It's a very weird movie. It actually has uh, Ron Perlman in it, even though it is a yeah, French film. But I remember it was on our, the wall at the Blockbuster I worked at for a long time. It was on the new release wall. We had one copy, and it had this like old man facing was facing to the left, and he had this like crazy looking hat on. And was uh, finally I was like, "What is this?" And it was a crazy but good movie. Hmm. Um, I'm gonna go with Baskin, which is a movie. I it was a Turkish horror movie, which is very it's very odd. Very so good. unique. It's good, but I and I heard about it from our uh, good friends over at. Oh my god, why don't I remember their name? <laughs> Trick or Treat Radio. Thank you, Craig. I, I two weeks is, in a row. Come on. Yeah, from the fine folks at Trick or Treat Radio. So that I wouldn't have known about them if it wasn't about that movie. If it wasn't from them, Same. and uh, two more Japanese films uh, closing out here, and uh, one of them is Old Boy, uh, the original. One, not the remake. Sorry, that's Korean. Oh, that is Korean. Whoops. I I am sorry. I'm a bad person. You are. I looked it up, too. And uh, lots of torture in that one. Lots of violence. And uh, Ichi the Killer is my number one from Japan. That was, again, crazy violence, crazy uh, 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 fight scenes and stuff like that. So if you want to... If you see... Kung Fu Hustle, and you're like, this is great, but there wasn't nearly enough violence. Enough uh, you blood might, might or beheadings. Cutting or... off of nipples. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be that. Or so... faces hitting a glass door and sliding down. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yep. So it's been a while since I've seen that one, actually. But yes, there's a lot of uh, slicing. So those would be my five. All right, All right. well, I'll, oh. I'll go second, and we'll, let, we'll let our two Jimmys what is end the happening? show with their list. All right. Um, there, there was there was one I wanted to include. Um, it wasn't insane enough, and we've also talked about it numerous times on the podcast. Um, my list actually only has one uh, subtitled film. However, the others are in fact foreign, just uh, just not American. So I wanted to include Tucker and Dale because that is a Canadian film, um, but it, it it's absolutely hilarious, very enjoyable, but it's it's just not quite insane so so that one kind of got bumped off at at number five i'm probably gonna put the movie rubber do you guys remember that movie i do not i sure do the movie rubber is about it's it's the movie rubber is about a sentient tire that Mm -hmm. uses its psychic abilities to kill people okay i I remember that i didn't see it but i remember it it well and and by (laughs) The, I, I'm loosely interpreting good movies as movies that I very much enjoyed. So um, Rubber was just crazy enough to to make the list. Mm-hmm. At good number choice. at number four, I'm going to put in one that Greg and I both really enjoyed, and that's going to be Wolf Cop. Again, yeah. again, a Canadian movie. Oh, okay, Canadian movie, very entertaining, kind of crazy, kind of stupid, super fun. Uh, and, that, my friend, is not stupid. It is the Citizen Kane of werewolf cop movies. It totally is. <laughs> totally is. The only one. 
it's also the Star Wars of cop, werewolf cop movies and the, I don't know, spaced mm-hmm. invaders of werewolf cop movies. The, and the, the Gone World. with the Wind. Yeah, The Gone with the Wind, The, Were- the Wayne's World. It's everything of yes. the werewolf cop movies. At, at number three, I'm going to put in Kung Fu Hustle because I really, really enjoyed this movie. And it was so over the top and <laughs> just just a lot of fun. I I I laughed during this movie. I was entertained. It kept me enthralled for the entire length of the movie. You know, occasionally with these kung fu movies, I have a tendency to drift a little bit. But this one, this one kept my attention for the whole movie, and just just really well done. Awesome. At number two, I'm going to put another one of the ones that Greg and I have have discovered and and come across and and thoroughly enjoyed, and that's going to be Zombievers. The, yeah, premise, again. The, the premise of this movie is so utterly ridiculous and it's I guess as far as quality goes it's not amazing but it was so hilariously it it's a B horror movie and they knew it was a B horror movie and they totally went for it just absolutely went for it and hit it out of the park and just from from get go it was it was great from the word go right down to the end where they've got the lounge singer singing their their title Zombievers was <laughs> just just really enjoyable. But my number one, and I'm kind of surprised it didn't make your list, Greg, because it is kind of kind of crazy and it is a classic and it is a foreign film. That's gonna be Money Python and the Holy Grail. Oh, oh wow. Because that in my book, that has to be number one. I just absolutely insane, off the wall, wacky, and still very, very good. And it's and and it still kind of holds up today for what it is because it knows what it is and just yeah, it's all over the place. I, I actually almost quoted Monty Python to you, but I couldn't figure out how to do it on your Instagram today without like other people not understanding what I was saying because you when you did the thing where you put what you were going to have to do for your costume. Uh huh. And you made like that list of all the stuff you have to do, and I was gonna. And the way you phrased it, it it sounded like the uh, the nuns trying to get punished. <laughs> so I was gonna, so I was gonna what? do like dot dot dot, and then the oral sex. <laughs> like, and and know. I would have responded with, well, I suppose I could take a bit longer. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, right. I almost did it, and then I then I was like, well, if people don't know, because I didn't know who was on there. So anyway, so but I just yeah. put it. On the uh, the podcast here instead. There you go. Okay. My number well, one, gonna, Monty Python in the actually world. your list is more of a trip through your psyche than <laughs> than mine is of mine. I was definitely uh, suddenly I'm like, yeah, that all makes sense. Okay, uh, which Jimmy? I'll go. Hello? Asian Jimmy is still working it out. Go ahead. All right, go so ahead. go ahead. I I went with kind of gore and shock value for my list. And these are all movies I've seen. So number five is going to be Versus. That movie is out of Japan. It takes place in the Akagahara. Um, probably saying that wrong. The suicide forest in Japan, which is a real place. Um, escape prisoner. It, they, it's a, it's technically a zombie movie. Um, it's just crazy. Just insane film. Guns and swords and zombies and resurrection and all kinds of crazy stuff so uh that's my number five number four is going to be ichi the killer that is from the director takashi Miike. um you've 
he's got so many films. He's done over a hundred films. If mm-hmm. you've seen 13 assassins, that's one of his, um, brilliant. Director we talked about movie. that one, correct? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I, we've, uh, we've referenced it. I know that, um, my number three is going to be the film martyrs. That's a French movie. Not to be confused with the one that came out, I guess, several, uh, a few years ago. They adapted it for American audiences and just wasn't good. It was from the producer of Twilight, and they just just crapped all over it. Mm. Number two is going to be another French film, and that is called Frontiers. It is Frontier uh, in, in Hypotheses S. So frontiers it's about uh, a group of french backpackers and they come across a basically human slaughterhouse that's run by nazis and it's just all kinds of crazy and gory but really good film number one i'm putting this higher on my list than you did greg and that's baskin but baskin was absolutely amazing there's a movie called the void out that i i think borrowed heavily from ideas from Baskin, but yeah, did. Um, so much so that when I saw it, when I saw it in the void, I'm like, where have I seen this before? <laughs> yeah. I saw the void. I was like, eh, watch a better movie. It's called Baskin. Great film. Check it out. It's from Turkey. And that's mm. my top five. Turkey, different Turkey. Oh, it was, uh, the Takashi Mike was uh, blade of the immortal. That's the one. That yes. Covered. That's the one. Mm-hmm. And that you borrowed never gave back to me. Oh, uh, that's the one I may have lost. So I owe you one. <laughs> I'll find it when I move. Well, uh, okay, Jimmy, that I'm actually still speaking to, it is your turn. All right. Well, I think I got uh, <laughs> five right off the bat. Um, <clears throat> my number five would be uh, the Drunken Master, Jackie Chan film. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Um, basically growing up, just like, uh, you know, having that father-son conflict thing and like, you know, that kind of connected and also, hey, it's a Jackie Chan film. He's always doing silly stuff, especially mm-hmm. when he's drunk. Uh, number four would be this uh, movie called Warriors of the Rainbow. Not sure if it's a foreign film, but it's definitely uh, like in the, I guess, language of the natives, which basically talks about a indigenous Taiwanese tribe uh, fighting Japanese uh, soldiers during like World War II, and uh, you know them trying to like you know take a stand and not be wiped out but you know sounds super one, sad like, big fight yeah it is but there's like certainly uh good fight scenes in there uh three would be uh totoro uh-huh, a yeah. uh studio chibli film is that the cartoon yes nice about a big fluffy uh totoro i don't know what that is but you know definitely uh rec- highly recommend it and uh number two would be um, a film called Bahu Bali. It's actually a two-part series. It's an Indian film. And basically, it is like Indian culture meets 300. Nice. Like, <laughs> like um, just like Indian well, Army. What was that one again? Like, uh, Bahu Bali. Okay. Yeah, that one's going to have to get added to the list. Yeah, because like, oh my gosh, it tells like, it's almost like a musical meets Shakespeare meets 300. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like there's some like you know dancing and singing, but not like you know the traditional musical. But like like it's like a, an Axeman gang or Axe gang. I know like I keep calling it no. the Axeman gang. <laughs> the like, uh, naughty dancing Lincoln. Speak, speaking of combinations, a Totoro is a forest spirit. Uh, he is actually a mixture of uh, Tanukis, which are Japanese raccoons, cats, which is where the pointed ears come from, 
and owls, which is the chevron expressions on his chest, and the ooing, the sound they make with their ocarinas at night, apparently. Nice. Mm. According to some random person on the internet, so it's clearly true. It must be true. <laughs> yeah. Okay, sorry. Number one. And number one is uh, Zaitoichi, a uh, 2003 version with, um, I don't know is his name. Is it the name. Blind Samurai? Yes, it is. Ooh. Yeah, it's the, uh, the like, adult guy from uh, Battle Royale. Uh, yeah, and he's also known for uh, what we call uh, MXC. Yep, Most yeah. Extreme Elimination Challenge. Oh, I love that show. Yeah. <laughs> the thing that makes that show so entertaining is the announcers. Yeah, he's uh, one of the announcers, like the Blind Samurai. Oh my god, it's so funny. But yeah, it's like it's pretty much one of those like it has dry humor in it, but like you know, it's a really good like samurai film. has a has a really nice twist at the end. It's like very subtle, but like it's like oh yeah. That's clever. Big musical number at the end, yeah. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that, too. <laughs> I was like, what? what yeah, that's great. That's from? a good one, man. You guys have a much deeper, well, Jim, the Jimmies have a much deeper understanding of uh, of Asian film than I would have ever imagined. Well, one of you guys would have imagined. Wow. It's, it's sort of impressive. Yeah. Damn. Ex- <laughs> oh. Expect the uh, the two Jimmies podcast coming soon. Oh. Leave you guys in the dirt. Two Jimmies, one Rob. <laughs> I got my t-shirt. I'm good. <laughs> All right, guys. I do believe Dave Baba Ganoush has something he wants to rant about. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now, you're going to hear about it. I don't know who that is, but that's me. And uh, I wanted to just kind of rant about the fact that nobody can drive anymore. Um, oh, what? All right, guys. So what are your flashers for? What are your hazards for? When are you actually supposed to use your hazard lights? When your car is stopped and it's not Disabled. supposed to be. Okay. Yeah. So when you're not moving, correct? Correct. Correct. Yeah. Right. We in Florida we have a big problem with that. So you're driving down the ho- hi- highway. We have those big signs above that say, um, "In the event of rain, uh, wipers on, headlights on, flashers off." Now we still experience this problem. When it's raining, don't put your flashers on. That's not doing anybody any good. In the event that you're in an accident and you are the one that has your hazards on, but you're still moving, you're probably going to be in the like very small percent that is at fault for getting rear-ended. So some context here. Uh, the other day I was driving downtown, which gives me enough anxiety already because I hate it. And it doesn't make any sense. Now, I had to turn right onto a street. Um, there was one car in front of me in the right turn or straight lane. They had their flashers on. So it's like, okay. I went in the left lane. And I was like, yeah, when the light turns green, I'll just turn in front of them. So I went to turn in front of them, and they started moving again. I'm like, your car isn't broken down. What's the matter with you? And it just – it drives me insane. Like, how do – these people get their driver's licenses if they don't know how this works. So if you're driving, you put your flashers on the rain or just because it's dark or anything like that, you're a bad driver. Jimmy will hunt you down. I want to. And I, do the palm I, fist thing. Yeah. And pop your tire so that your car is disabled and then you can leave your flashers on. And then you can. 
And then you can use them. Yes. If your car in the unfortunate incident that your car is disabled, put your flashers on, put your hazards on, but don't do it while you're driving. Don't do it just because you're driving slow or you have a mattress in the back of your truck. That's cool. Thanks, I guess. But that's not what they're for. Seriously. And freaking use your turn signals. I, I could go on forever about bad drivers and go, oh my God, don't even get me started on four-way stops. <laughs> because people just don't – like, are you serious? Whoever gets there first, they go, right? You guys yeah, – pretty, Yeah, pretty much. And, you and if do you that get little there, mental count. If you get there at the same time, you yield to the left. Yes. Or – and this happened to me tonight. It, and it was really cool. It kind of refor- restored my faith in humanity a little bit. I got to a four-way stop at the same time with somebody, and I was like, uh, who uh, – like, we're both going straight. Um, okay, little flash of the headlights, little wave. You go first, my friend. Mm-hmm. So, you know, not all is lost, but, man, I, I honest to God think and, – and this is a, a maybe an infringement, but test people every 10 years, every five years. You should have to test for your driver's license again. Driver's because license is not a is not a right. It's a privilege. No, it's not a right. It's a privilege, and you should know how to obey the traffic laws. And and there would be far less, you know, traffic accidents and and fatalities if people knew these things. So it just makes me wonder how many people are actually driving around or out there without licenses who just kind of coast around, you know, and make it. So that's my rant. Look at traffic law. I don't know. It just drives me nuts. Absolutely nuts. That's my rant. And that, that reminds me of really a joke. grinds his gears. That is what grinds his gears. Really gets my goat. And a pirate walks into a bar and he's got a steering wheel hanging out of his pants. And the bartender says, hey, pirate, why do you got a steering wheel hanging out of your pi- your pants? And the pirate says, it's driving me nuts. There you go. <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry. I have to share a story about that joke. Yeah, yeah do it. Because... I was at work and one of my coworkers, I, I had a coworker who had a since, steering wheel tied to his. No, no, no. I had a coworker <laughs> who has, who has since relocated to another state, but her and I used to, used to tell jokes back and forth all the time. And we, we would tell stupid jokes or whatever. And he would, and this coworker would laugh. He thought it was funny and he never had any jokes to share. And one day he comes in and he's like, okay, guys, I've got a joke for you. I got a joke for you. And we're like, all right. And he tells that joke. And he gets to the, he, he says, you know, a pirate walks into the bar and the bartender says, Hey, what's with the, with the steering wheel in, in your pants? And he gets to the punchline and he goes, "R, it's driving me crazy. And <laughs> <laughs> both mm. me and my friend kind of looked at each other like, you're not good at telling jokes. And we turned back to him and simultaneously went, it's driving me nuts. And he's like, oh, that's it. That's it. And it's like, oh, my God. (laughs) It's driving me crazy. (laughs) But that made that made it even more funny that he screwed it up that bad. And we were just like, you are not good at this. (laughs) No. So it feels good to get off my chest. It, It feels good to know that you guys know these things, but other people don't. So we're here to educate. We care. Uh, Rob, take us out. How can people reach us? Well, like Jimmy alluded to earlier, if you would like to email us, you can email us. Give me five pod at Gmail or yeah, give me five podcast at gmail.com. Sorry. 
Give me five podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at give me five pod, or you can reach us on Facebook just by searching for the give me five podcast. And guys, as always, please, please, please leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher or Cashbox or Spotify or whatever podcast app you're using. It really helps us stand out. It helps more people find us. And I think more people are starting to find us. So far, I believe we're almost at a record for downloads this month, aren't we? Yeah, we uh, people. you guys must really like Motley Crue. I don't, I don't really like talking numbers on here, but you guys must really like Motley Crue because we like we had a ton of downloads on that dirt episode. So thank you very much for you guys out there. Uh, looking forward to seeing what you guys thought um, about that episode and about the crew and about all of the stuff we're talking about. So thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah. If you guys want to know what film I refuse to say the name on the air, hit us up. Let me know. We'll discuss it. Also, if you guys have decided, you know, those give me five podcast guys are really cool. I'd really like to show my support for them. How can I do that? Well, if you head on over to GiveMeFivePodcast.Threadless.com, you can find all of your sweet Give Me Five swag there. We've got t-shirts and toilet seat covers and cell phone covers and socks and eyeglass cases. I don't know if we really have all that, but we've got stuff like that. (laughs) But our logo is sweet, and it would look good on all of those things. It It would. would. Good morning, good afternoon, good night. This is the Give Me Five podcast, a semi. Uh, let me start again. Note that. This I, is can, the, I can hear Ethan in the background, by the way. Yeah, I can. Uh, okay, I'll go mute them. <laughs> go mute them. You're going to silence your family forever? <laughs> Jesus, Greg. <laughs> That's hardcore, yo. Just hear snap, snap. <laughs> All right, they're muted now. Silence, family. I said I'll go mute then, not them. I've been sitting here waiting for you to go. <laughs> Oh, God, I thought you were <laughs> killing your family. I'm going to go on. I'm going to go on to mute. That's dedication. All right, well, this is the night. Rob, do the thing where you say, I think it's time for snap decisions. Well, <laughs> since I'm the only one with a snap decision, I was hoping somebody else would do that. But oh, okay. I'll, I'll do it. Uh, okay, <laughs> yeah, do it. I got to learn how to not use my nunchuck to hit my head. Or else it's a hurt. Like, ow, man, that hurts.